I, I am certain that my experience was not unique, but as a kid, I made a promise to myself that I, once I had children of my own, would never call them by the wrong name. <laughs> and then we named them almost all of them with E names. Oh, what was I thinking? I remember as a kid, there, there were times, you know, I have an older brother and older sister, and I get their names all the time. It's always great when you get called by your sister's name. But regularly, I'd be called by the dog's name, too. Like, my dad would be flustered, or sometimes not even flustered, and he'd look at me and say, Harley! Right. You ever get called by the dog's name? <laughs> And so, of course, I made that promise that that would never happen in my house. Those mistakes would never come out. Yeah, it didn't last very long at all. <laughs> we lost our dog, Elliot, uh, last month, and uh, we, I would call my kids Elliot far too often. It's never really great to be called by the dog's name, but, but that's not really what's happening here. Jesus straight up insults this woman from Canaan. I came to feed the children of Israel. I'm not feeding the dogs. You're one of the dogs is the implication. What do we do with insulting Jesus? <laughs> we let Miss Meredith teach the children. <laughs> So this is, a, this is a complicated text. In fact, some of my, uh, my study and getting ready for today, um, uh, you know, there are people that I, I go to that I learn from and, and uh, the, the one place, you know, how, how to preach the difficult text. This, this is one of the difficult ones. This is one of the challenging things that Jesus says. How do we reconcile what we know to be true about Jesus and the fact that he called a woman a dog in today's lesson. Those don't settle too well, do they? Well, I think we, we need to establish a baseline first. And this shouldn't be shocking, but, but the first thing I think we have to declare is that Jesus is good. Amen? He's good. He's good. Right? We, we talk about that all the time when we talk about there's no such thing as a perfect human. Caveat, Jesus was perfect, right? Jesus is good. And so if that's a default, if that's our standard, that, that we know Jesus to be good, even when we see him saying things that are not good, that aren't kind, we have to say, well, something else is going on. Right, Because you and I, we have bad days. We, we have moments where we lose our cool. That's not the, the case here with Jesus. It's not just that he was tired or worn out or the person cut him off in traffic or he had a bad day yesterday. and he's, No, there's something deeper going on that Jesus is using this moment to teach us. And so Jesus is good. He's also a teacher. And, and some of you are teachers, and all of us have had teachers, whether in school or in life, and teachers, great teachers, go to great lengths to teach us lessons that stick, right? You've heard me talk about Mr. Cole. He was my favorite English teacher in high school. 
I had him for my senior year, and we were about a month and a half in, and he finally just stopped the class. In the middle of the class, we were doing something. He, he clearly had to teach us something more important than grammar. And he said, stop. Is this what you want? You've been waiting for your 12th grade year your whole life. You're in it. Are you living it the way you want to? That stuck with me. That stuck with me. Teachers that teach us lessons that stick go to great lengths in order to teach them. Jesus is a fantastic teacher. And today he is going to extraordinary lengths in order to give us a sticky lesson that will last. Point two. Point three, in the midst, in the, the minutia of the details, right, he is, uh, and we'll get into some of the place of where he is um, and, and why that matters, but, but Jesus came as the Messiah to deliver just a few people, right? No. He came to save the world. For God so loved a few people that he gave his own, no, God so loved the world, he gave his only son, right? So Jesus came for everyone, right? So, so that's, those are the, the key things that we need to establish at the beginning. Jesus is good, he's an incredible teacher, and he came to save the world. Don't lose sight of those. Those facts are our baseline. And so it says, in, in, our scripture tells us that he goes to the, the region of uh, Tyre and Sidon. So that's a, a, about 30 to 50 miles north of where they were in, in the land uh, of the Canaanites. So he went to a foreign country. And, and it's significant that this was a Canaanite woman. And the Canaanites and the Israelites, they were, well, they had a, a, a somewhat complicated history, Right? For, for a while, they were friends. They, they, they were in an alliance together because the enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? And so uh, Canaanites and Israelites joined fact, forces together to fight against their common enemy of the Philistines, right? Goliath was a Philistine, right? And so they came together and say, hey, you, you want to fight them together? And they're, yeah, let's do that. And so they, they formed an alliance, but it was a little bit tricky. In fact, the, the other thing that the Canaanites are, are known for and, and kind of their history is if you uh, look at the entire history of the kings of Israel, right, there were a couple good ones, there were a whole lot of bad ones, and there was a really bad one. Ahab was a really bad one, and his wife was a Canaanite, Jezebel. Maybe you have heard that name. Ahab and Jezebel were the direct cause of the entire crashing of the kingdom of Israel. Like, they destroyed the country. They destroyed their identity. They destroyed their history. They destroyed everything. And so, the Canaanites had this, this crazy 
history, and they still had a bad taste in their mouth about the Canaanites, the Israelites did. And so when they go to the land of Canaan, and they come to this Canaanite woman who comes up to them and says, Jesus, my daughter needs help. The disciples, well, they're a little full of themselves. You ever been there? They're they're a little little cocky. I mean, they're hanging out with Jesus. Think about that. They're hanging out with the one that they believe at this point to be the Messiah. Right? You know any famous people, like know them, like knew them back when? I don't. But like, you got to think like, yeah, well, I'm I'm kind of a big deal. Because I'm hanging out with them, right? That, I mean, that's a little bit of what the disciples are, are feeling and experiencing. <laughs> We're on the inside with the Messiah, right? And, and at this point, as they're, they're kind of living with their history and they're living with, with where they in and where they are now and they're living with Jesus and they're on the inside and oh my goodness, right, that at other times they fight about which one's the greatest, who's going to be sitting at the right hand of God. I mean, they're, they're getting a little ahead of themselves. And so Jesus takes them on this journey to the land of Canaan and they walk in with puffed up chests. Have you ever been there? And they were looking down at the Canaanites. Because they're the Canaanites. Jesus didn't come for them. He came for me. This is the backdrop, the backstory. In fact, as the the story unfolds and as, as Jesus said, I came to feed the the Israelites, I, I didn't come to feed the dogs. That wasn't Jesus coming up with the insult on his own. That was him echoing what, what we could consider a, a racial slur of the day, if there is such a thing back then, right? I mean, he was just echoing. He was parroting back what the culture would have said about the Canaanites and what his disciples were thinking about the Canaanites. So, so in other words, the, the disciples were struggling because they were full of themselves And Jesus is speaking, but he's not speaking from his heart. He's speaking the truth that the disciples feel and experience. Does that make sense? These aren't his words that are coming out of his mouth. They're their words. They're their understanding. This is what's happening. These disciples who, for the record, were the outcasts themselves. I mean, they were fishermen. Fishermen were outcasts in the days of Jesus. They were a tax collector, the low rung, right? I mean, they they were outcasts themselves. They got a little bit of goodness from Jesus, and they began to project outcast realities on others. Jesus came for me, not you. The good thing is, after this story, that type of thinking doesn't exist anywhere anymore, right? Oh my gosh, it still plagues us, doesn't it? And so in this encounter, 
Jesus is, is silent at her first, uh, her first invitation. And, and then the, the disciples get a hold of her and say, well, get her away, right? I mean, think about it. The, the, these disciples were the same ones that, that didn't even let Israelite Jewish children come to Jesus. You think they're going to let a dirty Canaanite woman come? But why did Jesus do it this way? Why didn't Jesus just heal her and show them? Why did he have to go through the theatrics and the, the verbal gymnastics of, of insulting her and, 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 and doing non-Jesus-y things, right? Well, I, I think it has to do with that incredible teaching moment of this masterful teacher. Because if, if he would have just come and healed her, they, they could have said, well, yeah, of course he did. He's a loving guy. He's merciful. And, and he's going to care because he's a compassionate guy. And we see that. So, of course, he's going to, you know, when he comes across someone that comes to his, his feet and begs, of course, he's, he's Jesus. Of course, he's going to do what he can. That's who he is. But Jesus masterfully sets up the disciples and makes it sound like he is speaking what they're thinking. He's saying out loud what they experience in their heart, their prejudice, their bias, their, their, their I'm better than you-ness about them. And in the midst of this, Jesus shocks them. Jesus is, is toying with the disciples. I mean, that, that's the image. That's, that's the, the, the baseline of how, how I think the lens that we can look through this and, and best understand it is he's, he's messing with the disciples. He's setting them up. And I think he is beautifully drawing out of this woman her incredible faith. We'll talk about it in a second. Jesus is toying with the disciples. And immediately as he shares their prejudice, as he shares their racism, because that's what it is, he shatters it. He shatters it. And he heals her. More than that, he says, he says, oh woman, Great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. Right? The, the disciples had been walking for Jesus for a while now, right? We're in Matthew 15. They've, they've been around the block with Jesus. His ability to, to heal. I mean, what do you think is more shocking? His ability to, to heal a, a woman who's possessed by demons? No, that's a Tuesday for Jesus. Right? The shocking thing is that he does this in such a way that it's even for the Canaanites. That Jesus is even for them. That's the, that's the message. That's the miracle here. Yes, Jesus casts out demons. But Jesus comes 
to the aid of a Canaanite woman. Another portion of the detail that's so powerful is it was 30 to 50 miles away, which for you and I isn't a big deal. That's a, you know, takes us, depending on traffic, a while, but they didn't have cars back then. They, they would have hoofed it. Right before this, Jesus was teaching with the Pharisees in Gennesaret. He, he would have had to walk 30 to 50 miles. That's, that's 10 hours of walking. And right after this encounter with the woman in Canaanite, he walked 10 hours back to the Sea of Galilee. He walked for 20 hours round trip for this encounter. Think about that. Because he wanted to teach the Israelites. I love even the Canaanites. My goodness and my power and my might is even for them. Every time we draw a line in the sand between us and them, Jesus is on the other side of it, loving and showing grace and goodness and mercy. And he's willing to walk an entire day's journey just to bring his goodness. But what about this Canaanite woman? I mean, there's so many things about her that are powerful and beautiful. I mean, she's in the land of Canaan, right? And, and so she, she wouldn't have had an encounter with Jesus. And so the, the, the pre-story, what we, we don't hear in the text, but it's got to be a part of it, is that the, the Holy Spirit was already working. The, the Spirit was already stirring. She'd already heard of who Jesus was and, and heard stories of his message and his preaching and his healing, that there was already in her a, a, an element of God moving in faith. I mean, why else would she... Come and throw herself at the feet of Jesus. She already called him son of David. That's an incredibly Jewish title for Jesus. There was faith there. And she came to Jesus and, and she begged Jesus over and over and over again. He was, she was met with silence. She was met, met, met with pushing away. She was met with insult. And each time she responded with, Lord, help me. Lord, save me. Lord, remember who you are. Be who you are. You know what that echoes? That echoes Moses. That echoes the psalmists. Over and over again, the psalmist in faith, in lament, in the midst of all the suffering says, Lord, be who you've told me you are. Do for me what you've said you would do. I cry out to you, Lord. Hear my cry and respond Save me, save me, save me. This, this is the life of faith. And the most powerful part of it, she says, I don't need a seat at the table. I'm good with the crumbs. 
because I know your crumbs are all I need. They're all my daughter needs. You're that powerful. You're that mighty. If I just get a crumb, I'm good. That's why Jesus looks at her and says, great is your faith. You know what he never said that to the disciples? You know what he says to the disciples? You of little faith. All of that is the backstory of this text to help us understand a couple things. Jesus is a pretty masterful teacher. But his lesson is that there is enough of his love for everyone. How do we know that? Well, this, this is a Canaanite woman. This is a woman who's, who's from the past that, that made Israel's life awful. Israel lost its, lost its identity because of her ancestors. And Jesus came and loved her and healed her daughter. You know what that tells me? Jesus knows your past, but he's not limited by it. He knows your story. He knows the pain and the weight you carry. Even if it's generations old, it's not a limit. It's not a barrier to who God is and how God loves. He's willing to walk all day if he has to, to come to you. He also teaches us, stop drawing lines. Stop dividing between us and them. That's all our culture wants to do today. Everything we see on the news, everything we encounter in this world, everything our culture says is, is, is we're here to divide you. That's, that's, that's not Jesus. That is not Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. We are a people formed by a God who comes to be with us so that we can be with people. You can't be with someone if you're putting barriers between people. If Jesus is willing to walk all day, what does it look like for you to walk across the street? To walk with? To come beside the people that we all sinfully divide between us and them? This is who Jesus is. He blew the minds of the disciples because they heard out of his mouth what they were feeling inside and then he blew it up. 
let me put it this way, perhaps a, a harsh word, but an, an important word. If Jesus hates everybody you hate, maybe it's not Jesus. We're called to love. We're called to go. We're called to walk with. This is what God calls us into. This was more a teaching lesson for the disciples as it blew their minds about how big the banner of God's love is. How can we live under that banner and welcome others into it as well? Just a crumb changes everything. In the name of Christ, amen.